Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I say warm welcome because it is chilly here today in the upper Midwest of the state of Minnesota that I live in. I woke up, it was eight below this morning because I was cold. I was walking my trash out to the curb and I thought, this is chilly. So I always look forward to springtime and the weather warming up. And I look for that around middle of July here in the state of Minnesota, but, but I always look forward to it. <laughs> I have a great show today. Patrick's going to join me in just a minute, time permitting. And then I've got uh, a wonderful Monday afternoon mixed uh, mix plan with David Miles and Rosie B. And then Dr. Marcus Bachman is going to round out my mental health wellness week. I'm looking forward to that as well. Patrick is uh, my confidant and colleague from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Hey, Patrick. Hello. I, 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 I love that. It's like, you know, to open the show... Will be my my friend and colleague Patrick, time permitting. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might enjoy that. I thought you were going to say weather permitting, since you kicked off with kind of that uh, the cold. Put the shoes on, by the way. I did. I put the shoes on when I got back yeah. in the house because my feet were frozen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I don't know if it's a thing that it's a product of age. Uh, my son, who is twelve, uh, I, we have this winter jacket. He just. He refuses to wear it. He just wow. puts on a couple of a couple of fleeces. Uh, he wears these thin, you know, like sweatpants every day. He'd wear shorts, and he goes out. And the other day, he goes out sledding. Wow! Uh, in in this in this weather, and he says, "Yeah, hey, I got a little bit cold." I said, "Cold? I I you know I mean, if I'm within three feet of my door on the inside, I need to throw <laughs> on a parka. I don't. I do, is that just getting older? Is that uh, the, perhaps?" Perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was wondering, do you, Patrick Albanese, buy extended warranties? I have been known. I didn't used to. Okay. You know, I remember the old days you'd go into the car dealership equipped with all your numbers before the internet and you'd say, I'm here to do battle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh And I will not be buying anything. Right. Uh, But um, there was one guy who was was pretty good. He said, uh, he goes, what do you think the car you're about to purchase is perfect? I said, yeah, it's pretty perfect. He says, well, I mean, what what percentage perfect? 90%, 99%? I said, oh, 99%. He says, well, there's 30,000 parts in that car. That still leaves 300 things that can break. <laughs> anyway, sign here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when you... Do you buy them? Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I do and I don't. Now, I have a stove in my kitchen from 1985, and my extended warranty ran out in... Um, 1989. So I was told. Wow. Yeah. So it's still working. And then I turn around and I I didn't buy an extended warranty on this TV I got. And 18 months later, it went went out. So I don't know. I think the only ultimate extended warranty I really care about is eternal life. That's it. That's a great warranty. That's that the comes best. with the paint protection too. <laughs> <laughs> comes with the glorified body. Well, Trust me, it's going to be yes. absolutely yeah. amazing. Beyond words. Uh, the uh, I think your house and my house were were both built mid eighties, mm-hmm. 
Um, and I still have some of the original equipment. Uh, the, the washing machine is original. Now, I've repaired it a couple of times, and I don't want anybody calling me up saying, come over and fix mine. I, I mean, I'm a, you know, you've heard of do-it-yourselfers. I'm kind of a YouTube-it-yourselfer. Mm-hmm. I can kind of follow video instructions. So I have had that washing machine apart, you know, half a dozen times. But I think it is also circa 84, 85. Wow, that's still, still it's running. Got, you know, well, it's got the big tub and it's just, it, you know, everybody that buys the new ones say, no, no, keep the old one. Just keep that thing going. So, um, but I, I found the original owner's manual uh, and uh, it was written in Sanskrit. <laughs> That's how old the thing is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, it had the extended warranty that uh, wore out and it would be tempting every now and then to say, hey, is there a way to extend the warranty on this extended warranty? Yeah. So, I mean, my stove still works. I mean, not everything works on it. The clock doesn't work. It's 12.01. It's frozen at that time. So, I mean, it's right twice a day. And so yeah. it's one of the, one less thing to set when daylight savings time comes around. So, you know, why I mean, should so, I complain? Yeah. No, twice a year, that's one. Because I get up and it's, it isn't just, you know, so you, now you have a bunch of electronic devices that sort of reset themselves. Yeah. You know, your phones, and I have a clock that I don't even know how this one works. I, I assume it's spying on me. I don't know, you know, because I think, why does that clock change by itself? I, I didn't know that that thing could do that. But then there's the other appliances that don't, and it's the stove and the microwaves mm-hmm. and, uh, of course, the wall clocks. You still have the analog style. And I don't know about anybody else, but uh, I try to bring those devices as close together as possible so that when I hit the start button, they are in sync. Mm. Now, that's not easy to do with a stove and a microwave. Very <laughs> 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 tough to slide those across the room. But I, uh, and then there's a coffee maker there. And I don't know, does it, 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 it drive you crazy when you say, well, that one's one minute off just because I missed by about, I had to set this one. Then by the time I got to this one and through its menu, it's off by a minute. Yeah. And I'm you not, try to do the I'm math. I'm not that troubled. Yeah. Yeah, see, I, I, I might, I might have problems. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. <laughs> I like things to just, I like them to be synced up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I sent you an article that I would love to chat about. My, my yeah. friend, Dr. Ian Paul, who's a regular on the show, wrote this really great story on his blog when I love going to his blog. And he talked about, does your faith have a crumple zone? And you think, well, what's a crumple zone? And, you know, there was a time, it was probably our father's generations a little bit before then, yeah. where cars were built with that rigid chassis, which really ran from one end to the other. And the, yes. <laughs> and the bumper was fitted on either end. So the logic, yes. the logic was, if the car crashed into anything, it would make sense to build this, the car as strong as you could to protect the passengers. But it turned out the logic was completely wrong because with a really rigid cha- chassis, all the shock from the con- the the contact would would be transmitted through the whole car, and yeah. then the people in the car would get in trouble. But those cars that were built, they were tanks. You didn't get a parking brake; you got an anchor for some of those things. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you know, I think, and one of the things that was, of course, they were also they were so big, and that that was, I think, another one of their theories is that you know, well, you make this nice big long car. We talk about protecting the occupants. You know, I mean, it, it's 30 feet before you actually act, can hit another car. They're so uh-huh. huge, which is which is one of the things that kept the drywall manufacturers who used to fix your garage 
Mm-hmm. You, you know, why did they, why, why did people start hanging tennis balls in the garage? Because said, if we go through that wall one more time, <laughs> right. Did your, did your, did your mother or father ever punch through that wall? Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. 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 Same here. My, my brother went through a whole garage once. So that's, <laughs> well, I, so those were tanks. My mom had this, uh, uh, we had a, we had a Buick Electra. Uh, 1972 Buick Electra, which was a tank, and a 1983, uh, 19, a 1972 Electra 73 Oldsmobile Regency 98. Oh, those things were huge. Now, they had bird feeders on the side. Oh, it was, it was uh, okay. I took that to prom. <laughs> actually, got into a car accident and was completely unaware <laughs> that it was that I had been in an accident. I'm driving. And uh, I thought I hit maybe a pothole, and I look to the left of me, I go, look at that poor guy over there in the ditch. <laughs> well, wait a minute. That's c- contradicting my whole theory here about the chromosome. Well, that was a side swipe. That oh, was, was a side, side swipe. swipe. Okay. All right. You hit it straight on, you're going to feel it. But I love, oh, yeah. this, I love this idea. It was an Austro-Hungarian engineer who was really considered the, the father of modern car safety. And he said, no, 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 we have to have where the car crumples in the front and the back to protect the people in the middle. So, yes. hence getting the crumple zone, and I think we all need that when it comes to our, our life and our faith life. We need to be able to allow some of the difficult circumstances in life and our faith to take that initial hit to keep us safe and protected so not everything that goes on in our, in our day and our life unravels us. Because you're going to take hits. Uh, you are. Uh, yeah, it's... Um... You know, you think through your life, uh, and we've all had tragedies. We've all said we've all lost people. Let's say a, a young age. You know, you and I both lost fathers when we were kids, and you, that's not the way you want it to be. And I, you know, I remember siblings of mine going through uh, certainly crisis of faith, saying, "Well, how could God let this happen?" Mm-hmm. You know, we're just kids. How could right. you know? So. Uh, and you have to be able to, you have to be able to take those blows cause they're going to come. They are. And yeah, crumple zone is, is really, uh, what a great idea. I like that analogy a lot. I mean, you know, the engines drop out of these things too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, uh, you know, my stepfather had a car, the steering wheel came off and that was not, um, <laughs> actually a feature. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing cause that's not, uh, it's very serious if you're, you know, your steering wheel comes off, but. The way you said no. that just made me laugh. So so sorry. Yeah. Well, it's you know they've they've refined some of the features these days to actually be useful. But I like the crumple zones. Uh, and if you've ever um, been in an accident where those crumple zones happened, uh, you kind of you walk with your mar. Like I I did get into an accident. I it was my '92 Honda, and I got hit by a semi on a freeway. Wow. And uh, the car crumpled. It uh, also played Lady of Spain, like on the accordion. Because <laughs> that's another thing that has sort of the crumple zone. But, uh, you know, it is the, the amazing thing is I'm on a freeway and I get hit by this guy and spun around and hit by him a couple more times. And I get out of this, what is left of is basically a shoebox of a vehicle, but the compartment is fine. Yeah, I know. There's your crumple and zone. People stopped. They stopped going, you're not dead. We, we, we saw it. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're, you're not cut. You're yeah. not, you're nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I took personally, <laughs> but, 
But, uh, I, I, you know, I, I remember, I mean, I, you know, had to replace the vehicle. I was right back there buying essentially the same vehicle. I thought, yeah. well, that thing protected me. And why don't you stick with something that protects you? God yeah. protects you. He's you know, your crumple zone. Well, we also, it helps us develop a more resilient faith. For some people, um, when you talk about resilience, you think, well, you have to be strong and tough it out. But really, when you have faith... Sometimes it's just the crumple zone that keeps you safe in, in the and protected in the middle. And there are going to be hits. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when, when there's going to be difficult mm-hmm. circumstances in your life. And you just let the crumple zones uh, not hurt you. And as much as it is difficult to go through hard circumstances, and a lot of people are going through hard circumstances, you know, God has you hopefully safe right in that middle. So there's yeah. my thought for yeah. openers. Now, Patrick... I'm going to take a break. We'll come back. Lots more with Patrick Albanese, my friend, confidant, and uh, colleague from the great state of Iowa. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours Conferring with the flowers Consulting with the rain And my head I'd be scratching while my thoughts Were busy hatching if I only had a brain If you enjoy that song, you are probably either a fan of The Wizard of Oz or you like Patrick Albanese, who gets my Mondays started. I always look forward to starting uh, the week on the lighter side. A merry heart is like good medicine. And I I love what a a listener said last week, Patrick, that you are like radio serotonin. I thought that was good. I, yeah, I, th- I, I, I took it as a compliment, I think, whether it, meant, it was meant that way or not. Yeah, I think it was. Know. So as we talk about the crumple zone, that, that your faith uh, can absorb some of the difficult things in life and it keeps you safe in the center, I've been focusing this weekend on a verse out of Isaiah, chapter 28, verse 16. I sent it to you, and it goes like this. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. <sighs> there you go. And that cornerstone is Jesus. So if we if yeah. we lay him as our foundation and put our, our faith and trust in him, we will never be stricken with panic. I love that. Yeah. Again, it doesn't say that things aren't going to happen. It's just that you'll be so much more equipped to handle them. Yes, exactly. Which I really like. I so, and I think I sent you something that I had been uh, playing with a little bit, um, and I don't even know how it came across my path. I think uh, I, I might have seen somebody talking about it because somebody said, "Well, you know, you're a Christian, but I've I've heard at times." Uh, I don't like the language that you use. And uh, he brought up Ephesians 4.29, and he said, he said, you know, if we're really talking about what is unwholesome talk, it isn't just about, you know, bad words. 
there's a lot of things that qualify as unwholesome talk. And it really kind of got me thinking. And I really liked uh, uh, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for, helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I've fallen short on that every now and then. And I blame you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew something was coming my way. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> but it, it, it really kind of struck me that, you know, well, what qualifies as unwholesome talk? I remember somebody saying to me, you know, I, you know, Bible talks about thou shalt not kill. He says, and, and, and of course, we're definitely against that. He said, but could that could many things qualify for that are there are there ways with your negative attitude or negative approach to other people that you can kill their spirit that you haven't necessarily physically killed them but you've killed something that's important to them and it really makes me realize how much i have to watch what i say not just on the effect it has on other people but there's i just don't think there's a way to put that stuff out there without having it come back to you mhm you know, without it hurting you. Because if you become petty, you start to realize, well, why did I just cut that person down? Why did I do that? To make me feel better? What was the purpose of it? Yeah, not that, just to not build them up, but to, was, it, was I trying to build me up? That's a good their reflective thought you're having, Patrick Albanese. I have to admit, I like that. I'm I know, they at do verse, happen to me occasionally. Uh, I know. Yeah. I'm looking at verse 29. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, and the Greek word is sapros. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but it's bad, rotten, decayed, unwholesome. And I thought, well, there you go. You don't want to do bad, rotten, decayed, or unwholesome talk. Mm. And I think you are you can pretty much understand when you speak and you speak any one of those bad, rotten, decayed, or unwholesome words, your, your spirit knows right away. I would guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, years ago when I used to uh, work at this magic castle in Hollywood and uh, magicians would come and perform, you know, of course, that's what they did. And there would always be the people that would hang in the back to trash them. And it was just a regular thing. You go, there's the, you know, the rogues gallery. I don't know what you would call them, uh, but said, you're here because you you want people to be bad. You're hoping you mm. see something bad. Because then you can go off into your corners and chuckle about how bad it was. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, uh, sure, that can be entertaining. You can hear some pretty creative ways to put somebody down. Uh, you know, uh, I, I would learn some of them. You know, they, one of the guys would say, you know, whenever I just want to tell somebody that they were bad, I'd say, well, Man, you should have seen it from where I was sitting, you know. <laughs> yeah. You you were you were never better. Mm -hmm. And it would be creative and you could laugh, but then at, at times you realize, you know, first you're not cutting that person some slack and then some of those people, you go back and see them 10 years later and they have improved by so much and they were they be, now they're they're practically superstars, they're stellar and you say, "I didn't cut them some slack when they were on that learning curve." Mhm. Mm I, you know, I shouldn't have been a jerk about that. I should have been a, a decent, encouraging person because look who they became. Good point. Yeah, and good point. even if they heard if they heard some of that talk, it didn't get to them. They just got better and better and better. And that's yeah. Well, I need to be that person too. No, uh, I think you do a good job of being that person. You know, when it says you should uh, 
what should come out of your mouth is only things that are helpful for building others up in according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And I think, well, we can give people such wonderful gifts of encouragement. And I know that's a gift that when people feel like they've been encouraged, it makes their day, their week, or their month. It really does. Yeah, it does. It, and it and it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's just an acknowledgement that, hey, whatever you're doing is working. Keep at it. Mm-hmm. And, and it can, then that can apply to whatever, you know, if somebody's pursuing a, f- a new fitness lifestyle. You know, we had the New Year's resolutions and people started showing up at the gym and some of them haven't been there for 20 years. And uh, if I see them and I see a new person, I'm always it's like, you did it. You're here. Mm-hmm. Keep showing up. Yeah. That probably goes you know? a long, a long, long way. You know, yeah. our words are so powerful. I had a guest on last week that said when he was in high school, there was something said to him, one sentence that he said, haunted him for decades. And he said, I can't really? even, I can't even repeat what it was because I don't want those words to come out of my mouth. I thought, wow. Yeah. Think of the power our words have and how important it is to be using words to build others up according to their needs. Well, now, so, okay. You also know that I'm wired in a funny way that, uh, I, I have a, a group of friends and, and I've, I've, you've even partaken of this practice with me saying, oh, I, you probably couldn't figure that out, could you? <laughs> you know that trick, right? I know Where that it's, trick. It's, there's, there's something that's particularly a challenge. Let's say it's a, it could be a magic trick, for instance. And uh, I would have friends that would say, they go, ah, I don't think, I just don't think that can be figured out. I don't know if you could do that. Because they knew that that would be the thing that would make me do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I would say, oh, well, them, them's fighting words. <laughs> right. Uh, but you're right. You know, it's, I knew that it was always in jest that somebody was only saying that because they knew I could figure it out. And that was their way of saying, you can do this. Mm -hmm. And that was the encouragement I would sometimes need to, you know, undertake a difficult project. Yeah. Well, the way you're wired, you love a challenge. And this verse that you cited in Ephesians talks about, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So I think part of friendship and part of understanding people. It's listening to them, understanding how we might as believers um, use our words to encourage them according to their needs. So I don't know, maybe I need to ask you uh, at some point, what are some of your needs in which I can encourage you? Ah, that's, uh, I'll have to think about that. Yeah. Because I want to put an hierarchy of the things I need the most. (laughs) (laughs) And it isn't just the siding on the house. I know. (laughs) You keep bringing that up. I'm not paying for that. Yeah. No, I I don't want you to pay for that. All right. No, no. I just, you can't come over until it's done. But (laughs) 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 Now, that's a great thing to you to uh, actually say to your friends, is there anything I can do to encourage you on something? Yeah. You know, and I know they can be, sometimes you hear those words and you say, well, I don't, I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm, you know, asking for something or that I'm needy or that I can't handle this myself, but I could sure use some encouragement because yeah. encouragement, you say, well, what's wrong with asking for encouragement or saying, let me offer you some encouragement yeah, on that. That's, that's a very simple gesture and can go a long way with friends and people in your circle of influence. It's uh, been interesting, Patrick. Thank you for talking yeah. about the crumple zone. Have a great rest I of the day. I love the crumple zone. I do too. All right. You too. All right. See you. Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. All right, we're going to take that little break, and then we're back with the Monday Afternoon Mix.
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Anytime I camp in one of the Psalms, I'm a happy guy. And we're going to do the Monday afternoon mix today. We've got uh, Pastor David Miles coming to us remotely. We already miss seeing his face in the studio. And Rosie B, mm-hmm. everyone welcome. Hello, everyone. Yeah. We, sound- did, we didn't do our mix, 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 ah, we didn't. mix, mix, we didn't. mix. We just, we just found out 12 seconds ago that David was going to be on the <laughs> phone. Right. Yeah. I was a little panicked on my side. Yeah. And yeah. we just talked about yeah. panic right beforehand, Bill. Yeah, we did. Oh, my goodness. You guys talked about panic? We just, did, yes. Yes. And is it a good thing to know that when we panic that we have a God who is uh, steady and sure and ever uh, the same and never changing, and he is faithful? Dave, David, can I give you the passage that I talked, I used about panic? This was Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen. It says, So this is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Oh, well, that is so good. I know. That's why I repeated it twice in one hour. Well, man, you know, it's definitely something that we need to be reminded of God being a short cornerstone in our time today. Um, you know, in our world, we continue to have, you know, many changing uh, dynamics happen. You know, our hearts go out to the family in Memphis and just the tragedy that's happened down there, um, you know, with shootings that have been happening across our country once again. The need for uh, in a world full of panic of a God who is a faithful cornerstone and Jesus being the peace that our world needs is so evident today and the need for our listening family and for all of us to be sharers of the Prince of Peace to a world that's desperately needing it uh, could never be so more needed than it is today. Mm. I know, and I'm looking forward to doing a deeper dive on Psalm 27. I know you've given that some thought and that's what you want to discuss today and we're looking, Rosie and I are looking forward to it. Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to, to to kick off with that because, um, you know, I just recently spent um, a weekend up in Fargo, North Dakota. And, uh, you know, some of the things I want to talk about today is that you really can't know me as a person uh, separate from who Jesus Christ is. And number two, even what we're doing here is we're communing with one another and I would say, apart for the body of Christ. And uh, I've really had the joy of spending the last couple of days with members from our listening family up in Fargo at KFNW uh, as I was back at home at my, uh, my home church, Salem uh, Evangelical Free Church, uh, for a very rich, homegoing service for a dear woman who embodied beauty, truth, and hospitality named Ann Dahl, mm-hmm. Ann and Howie Dahl, a very dear, uh, godly uh, couple that have been so impactful in my life, their, their son Jonathan, a daughter Stephanie, another son Andrew. Um, but Ann went home to be with the Lord after a, a, a battle with a very aggressive type of cancer for the last five and a half months. Um, but to be with the body of Christ and to hear of a godly woman who lived 
well uh, and who also just loved well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Psalm 27, one opens up with saying that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? And uh, her son, Jonathan, unpacked beautifully um, this very truth about a mother uh, who loved beauty. And is there anything more beautiful than the creator of God who's made this world? And not only that, but has made a beautiful salvation and uh, who's continued to make a beautiful body of Christ. And, you know, God being our light and being our salvation is something that is needed, that is a gift that is so graciously given and undeserved, um, of being a defense for our lives so that when people are losing their lives sensibly to traffic stops or simply um, being in settings where gunmen show up, or even when the pain of death through disease and virus and unexpected health things come along, the believer in Jesus Christ really uh, has nothing to dread because our life is secure in him, both today and forevermore. You know, David, um, my translation of Psalm 27, uh, verse 1, is uh, the second part of the verse is, the Lord is my stronghold of my life. And I think as you were talking about the cornerstone and everything that we're dealing with, you know, a stronghold, we hear about it sometimes in our media as something that's bad, like an addiction or something. But for the Lord to be your stronghold, as it was in Anne's life, it sounds as if it was in Anne's life, as I pray that he continues to be in mine and in the people that I love around me, it's it's a very different a visual because it's something that needs to go up above all other things so that it so the world can come up against it and get nowhere right yeah and i mean it's like you know we have these terms and they'll the, these terms that we'll hear and they'll sound almost like oh hang on david we're getting a lot of feedback here sorry about that that's okay you'll hear you'll hear some things that are like that'll seem defensive um you know like uh, Philippians 4, 6, that, and, the, and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. This idea that a guard or a stronghold can be a very powerful thing that God places in your life to give a surety that gives a sense of security, that gives a sense of confidence, a, a, a sense of rest and assurance. And so David, as he's writing this psalm, realizes that not only is God a light, and I mean, light shining in darkness, it's amazing in darkness how one small little light can just overcome so much darkness, but also that God's a defense. And knowing that God is our defender, not just someone who says like, hey, I saved you, you're on your own. But God is a defender, and he actually puts a stronghold about us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really does give a confidence. I love the verse Psalm 3.3, Lord, be a shield about me and the lifter of my head. Mm-hmm. Literally, God encamps himself around us. And that's such a, such a very rich reminder today. When things seem out of control, uh, God is not out of control. God is, God is a very near and present help. And David, I'm looking at stronghold, and in the Greek, I, I can't say it again, maos maybe, but talks about a refuge, 
a, a stronghold, a fortress, a place of protection. Um, and you think of the, the mightiest fortress and the ultimate place of protection. That's who the Lord is in our life, that stronghold. Of whom shall I be afraid? What a great, great reminder. It is. And, you know, David goes on to say in verse 10, when evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh. I mean, this isn't just merely like saying, hey, you know what? Someone doesn't like me. I mean, it's, he's like my adversaries, my enemies. Like, they literally were coming to, like, just literally devastate me. And, and we have to remember that, you know, during David's time, uh, there, there wasn't necessarily like, you know, the five armies of the United States Army and, you know, local sheriff and police. So, like, people really were out there and didn't necessarily have all the structures to society that we have today. And so as, as David's this person crying out for God's help, it really was leaning um, very much upon God and very much leaning upon his, his protection. You know, Cal, there, it's, it's paradoxical, isn't it? Because he's, he's calling out for help, so he's aware of the scenario in his life and all the things that he is up against, as we are today. And yet it's also such a, um, a cry of trust that he's confirming, he's declaring, he's decreeing that God is his stronghold, that who, who, is he, who is, does he have to be afraid of? And yet he is bringing up fear as well. So it's paradoxical, which I think helps because sometimes, you know, you can feel, you can look at somebody else's life, Christian walk and go, they, they, never, they were never humbled, their, their knees didn't buckle. And maybe that's not how you feel about your life. I know, I'm, I know my knees have buckled at the same time I'm calling out for God to be my stronghold. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, it was Brene Brown who wrote on vulnerability. She says, you know, if we spend enough time with people, we'll hear a story that brings us to tears, that brings us to our knees, or inspires us, and sometimes all three. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was something sitting at Hope Lutheran Church uh, on South 25th Street in Fargo on Saturday listening um, not only that evening before at the, the Salem Free Church and, and Moorhead campus and listening to people just recount the impact of Andal's life. And one of the things that not only did she treasure besides beauty, she treasured truth. And, you know, when David's speaking these words about the Lord being a light of salvation, he, he's speaking a truth about God. He's speaking the truth and reality about who the covenant God is uh, in his life, and that was something that Anne trusted in. I mean, this this incredible, mighty woman of God, one of the very hallmarks of her life was just how she incarnated Christ. Like, her hospitality and how she loved Jesus and how her and her husband have welcomed in, you know, they, they, did, a, they did kind of a, an estimation that in their home and at their lake home, They've had something like over 10,000 people in their houses to share a meal and to love. Many international students, many, you know, dignitaries, many, many just, you know, strangers, people that they just met. And, you know, one of the things that's super inspiring about that is that we all have the ability, because God has welcomed us in as friends, to be able to be 
uh, able to give the gift of hospitality, to reach across to other people and, and to welcome them into our lives and to share the love of Jesus with. Um, you know, we never know the things that are going on. I mean, part of the reasons that Stephen having me come a little bit later to the station today was just of some emergencies that happened. You know, I, I got news today of a, of a young man who had been walking and was struck by a drunk driver mm-hmm. and a very dear ministry that ministers to teens in our area. Mm-hmm. There was just a number of things that were going on there. And, you know, guys, every day we're, we're, we're coming into contact with people who are experiencing the highs and the middles, but also some of the lows and some of the very deep lows of life. And God has put inside of us something with Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit to be able to speak into dark places and even to be a light to people and even to point people to Jesus, who is our salvation. Rosie and I are shaking our heads. Yes, we agree completely. You're listening to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. We're going to take a little break and we come back. Some more lovely discussion on Psalm 27. Be right back. Receive a daily email featuring a scripture graphic. Sign up for this first-of-the-day email at myfaithradio.com. All right, there's that smooth groove. And it's all good with the world. Why is that, Rosie B? Because we have somebody in the studio. That went from the phone to the studio? In the same interview? (laughs) Technology's amazing. Come on, don't tell me. David Uh, Miles is here. He is. I need to look to my left. Oh, hey, David, how are you? There he is. Hello, Bill. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, Rosie. You're in the studio now. I am in studio. Okay, you sound better, just so you know. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Way better. Way better. Yeah. You know, guys, um, back to our conversation here. If you're driving today in your car and, you know, sometimes we'll hear people say like, you know, I can be a Christian and just do this at home. Like, I, I don't need to be a part of, of, a, of a church or go to church. And, um, you know, one thing I was talking with my wife about this week was just... Um, Just how much my life mm. was transformed by the people of Salem Evangelical Free Church, mm. of, of literally in the entire body of Christ in Fargo, mm-hmm. um, being at Anne's home going and, and seeing so many different lovers of Jesus, of, 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 of people who poured into my life, of seeing youth uh, kids that I was their their youth leader. Like I followed a group of boys from when they were fifth grade until they graduated. And 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 talking to one of my former students, Taylor Mertz, who's a family physician, I remember when he was knee high to a duck mm. and loving God and uh and serving. And you know, if if you're not a part of that community, you might say, well I'm not a part of that community. Okay, then 
Lord, help us to create those community. Help us to to make those communities. Help us to to love and to invest in those communities. And you know, I, I've seen so many people who who have put their fingerprint upon my life and allowed me to to be a part. Listen, if you're a young person. Running into families where, you know what I used to do when I was in college and even after college before I met Tammy? Hmm. Um, I remember Kim and Deb call coming over to their house and saying, hey, guess what? You guys are leaving for the weekend. It doesn't really matter what you're doing, but two things. Number one, you can't call home. You're you're gone. We won't see you until, until Sunday. And me kicking mom and dad out of the house and spending the weekend with their kids. And saying, you guys go enrich your marriage, mm-hmm. and we're going to hang out. There was another couple I ran, same thing, sent them off uh, on a trip and just said, hey, let, let me invest. And one of the things that was so wild is I remember when I was in Fargo one time, and I was working, and, and one of my coworkers said, hey, what are you doing this week? And I said, oh, I'm going to go hang out with some people at church. They're like, you hang out with people you go to church with? And I'm like, and you don't? Mm-hmm. They're like, you do? And I'm like, you don't? I'm like, so like, what do you do though? Well, I see them on Sunday and that's it. I'm like, oh, oh no. Like I do life. We have meals. Uh, we, we live life together. Mm-hmm. And and guys, we we need that. Like you can't know me without knowing the people that have poured themselves into me as being a part of the body of Christ. And the God's allowed me to pour myself into them. Mm-hmm. And And so like, Yes, if you've had bad experiences, give Jesus, give his bride that he died for one more chance. Find a community. Love that perfectly imperfect community. Because, you know, when, when you're together and you're celebrating the life of, of an Ann Dahl, who, who with her and her husband have loved so well, and and so many different lives changed and so many doors opened to people who were strangers and welcomed them in and and to see the richness of that time together to see the richness of so many people's lives just indelibly impacted and we can do that i mean like god wants to use us as once in eternity creations just to be ourselves to pour ourselves and it may just be like saying hi to your server mm-hmm. and loving them today, saying hi to your neighbor, loving them today. What do you think, um, David, are the roadblocks to people investing, instead instead of just having church be Sunday, investing themselves into the community? What are the things that, what are the sounds, the voices that we hear in our heads that prevent us or that we start believing do you have any idea? Well, sometimes we feel like, you know, who am I? Like, what what do I have to offer? Um, sometimes uh, we can be fairly transactional. Like, what, what what's in it for me? Um, or, you know, a hard one is sometimes we're like, I'm just going to, I want to wait. You need to come to me first. You know, sometimes we're afraid to reach out. And so we'll sit and we'll almost feel like, well, other people, if they really care, they'll come to me. But if we have a room of people sitting there saying, if the other person really cares, they'll come to me, then no one's going to come to That's each true. other. That's true. And the, and the beautiful thing that we celebrate in God is not that God so loved the world that he waited until we came to him, 
But God so loved the world that he gave. That, that the Bible says that Jesus put on flesh and he moved into the neighborhood. That he took the initiative. And that led John to write in First uh, John 4, we love because he first loved us. And, um, you know, Bill, sometimes we'll, we'll think like, we'll, we'll think of what, what, we, what we don't have. Like, I, I could have never wrote into my life plan, along with Steven Spielberg, Maya Angelou, none of those people, even if they all sat down, I could have never written into my life plan the things that God has done by me giving my life to him and allowing him to live his life through me. You know, um, Jonathan shared that, like, Anne, that she journaled, like, every day for, like, Mm -hmm. 40-some-odd years. Now, Jonathan and Anne are friends of David, and he was just at a funeral uh, honoring the loss of his friend Anne. Uh, People just jumped in the car, and they don't know who you're talking about. So, uh, Anne and Howie Dahl from uh, Fargo, North Dakota, from my old home church, Salem Free Church. Anne went home to be with the Lord, and her son, Jonathan, uh, shared a beautiful... Uh, eulogy about the beauty that his mother loved, the truth that she loved as a God seeker, and her hospitality of the ways that she opened her heart like Jesus to so many other people and the number of lives impacted by that. Um, So, you know, I I think like we we sometimes think like in our pouring out that um, that we might like completely lose ourselves, that there's there's that we either don't have anything to give that's worthwhile or we're, we're afraid that nothing will come in return. Um, and Jesus said uh, in Acts that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's like in loving people, it, it is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see uh, sometimes just the way that God can work and through our simple lives and the lives of other people. So when you take that risk and you initiate a conversation, there might be some awkward or even rejection, but I still say take the risk. Yeah, I say uh, I say take the risk. You know, it's been kind of funny sometimes when I'm stepping out and even asking a question and getting to know someone um, and finding all these doors open up um, into some really amazing things. You know, I had a situation where someone, I had had a conversation the other day and I was actually feeling like, you know, I was like, there was a, just a number of things going on and kind of feeling time pressed on a couple of different things. But as I got into the conversation with the person, wow, there are these incredible doors of just unbelievable beauty and just unbelievable, just got opportunities and I just got a text from this person because our conversation led to connecting them with another person. And the person sent me a text last night saying, Hey PDM, thank you so much for making this connection with this other person. This was exactly God's timing and calling and I so needed this. Mm. And today this person, two godly people who love law, who are studying law, they're connecting today, doing some powerful things. And that happened through some conversations. So mm-hmm. sometimes we never realize, surprise, what's behind this door that God has if we give him an opportunity. Couldn't be more true, David. I've always said there's nothing inconsequential in God's economy. 
Nothing. Mm. You know, there's been times when you've had a three-minute exchange with somebody, and you think, well, that that meant nothing. That went nowhere. Eh, wrong. <laughs> nothing is wasted in God's economy. Well, my favorite little less than one-minute um, exchange was me being a sophomore in high school, standing next to my locker, and my locker mate Lance Porter walking up and saying, start your timer. Hey, David, what are you doing this Thursday? I don't know. You want to come to me with this thing called Student Venture? Sure. That quick. Lance didn't know I failed my suicide attempt. Mm. And I went. God changed my life. Wow. And I shared this story mm. a couple of weeks ago, and there's a little boy named Theodora who heard the story after I shared this um, at a middle school in Coon Rapids. And I got a text message that evening from the worker saying he gave his life to Jesus. Oh, mm. Awful. So Thanks for that story. If you would like to get a verse of the day, we'd love to send it to you. You can receive a daily email featuring a really cool scripture graphic. You can sign up for the verse of the day email at myfaithradio.com, and I encourage you to do so. That wraps up our uh, our split time. A little bit of phone, a little bit of studio with David Miles. <laughs> a little exciting Rosie today. B. Yeah, exciting Monday afternoon mix. We're going to take a break, and we're going to continue and conclude our mental health week. We've got Dr. Marcus Ooh. Bachman in the green room. So when he comes in, we're going to uh, talk to him and get your questions ready. We've had a lot of uh, interest over the last week and many issues we're going to talk to him about as well. So we'll be right back in just a minute. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.